Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. And so the word reads, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God. We, we, Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestors, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant, of, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. I also want to um, just celebrate April Gutierrez, if um, some speaking of membership, she joined here about two years ago, and uh, maybe uh, maybe it's three years ago. Time flies when you're having fun, and she uh, felt a call to ordain ministry. And um, today, it's probably over at this point, but she is celebrating. Did you go to it, Thomas? Yeah, she uh, was received at Barry Church in Lincoln Square as the pastor. Um, she's been appointed there, and today was a celebration worship service. And I mean, y'all, that's so awesome. And so I celebrate that today. Yay uh, for saying yes. And I also celebrate, because we're kind of talking about saying yes today, so that's a big thing to say yes to. I celebrate uh, Santa, who was in worship this morning, and... Um, Grant Swanson, whom you may know, joined about this time last year and now is an intern at UVC Wicker Park. Both of them met with our staff parish relations committee on um, what was yesterday, yesterday and um, both of them were approved to begin the steps of um, ordination for ministry. So, y'all, this is so great, right? Um, and so, yeah, we're going to talk about saying yes today. Those are some, some ways to say yes, and there's a whole lot of other ways to say yes. Um, to God's call in our life. So let us start with prayer. 
good and gracious God, you are the whisper in our ear. You are Mary's song and vision of a new way. You are the hum above all hums. Open our hearts to the edification of the scripture. Open our hearts to my words that they might be acceptable to you in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So around this time, several years ago when I was in college, the church I worshipped in college, the children's minister was trying to, to explain the, the narrative of Jesus' birth. And he asked the children, now, uh, do you all know what is the name of, of Jesus' dad? And the kids thought for a minute, and one little girl raised her hand, and she kind of tentatively um, said, Virg? And uh, that answer was not Joseph or God. So the children's minister, wanting to kind of know, like, what is this, you know, what is this about, um, asked the question that is just a really good question to ask of children in general if you don't know what the heck they're talking about, but you don't want to say that because you don't want to destroy their self-esteem. Um, Y'all know that question, right? Tell me more about that. And uh, the little girl said, well, Virg and Mary went to the inn to find a place to give birth. And when, uh, when Jesus, when they were denied, they, she had to give birth in a stable. And so Virg and Mary are Jesus's mom and dad. Virg and Mary. Um, I love that story uh, because, man, there is so much to the person of Jesus and yet, or of Mary, and yet for some reason, children, all they know is that she is a virgin, that she's a virgin. Like, that seems to be the one thing that we have communicated to children, and they don't even know what it means, but apparently it's like Jesus' dad's name. So today, I want to I look at who Mary is and what she stood for and what she did. Um, because I think Mary, Mary, depending on your lens, has been a lot of things. If, if you come from some faith traditions, Mary is what is known as Theotokos. Anybody know that word? It, it, it means the mother of God, Theotokos. And in some traditions, Mary is venerated uh, above all women. And, and in fact, uh, people pray to her, Hail Mary. Anybody know this prayer, right? Hail Mary, full of grace, our Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mother, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our deaths. Mary is Theotokos. And others of us come from traditions where we don't even think about Mary. She's like the incubator for Jesus, and then once that's done, you know, it's all about Jesus. And then others of us are troubled by Mary because she, like, from a feminist standpoint, she's this, like, pious femininity that no woman can ever emulate. She is the ever-virgin, the ever-mother, and the ever-sinless woman impossible to, to be. She, in that model, she's essentially a flat character in the story of Jesus, right? No personality, just 
the virgin, mother, sinless woman. So today I want to reflect on, can we dig back and, and get at the real Mary? Probably not. We only have all of our tradition, right? But today I want to look at Mary as a young girl, as an ordinary girl, as someone like you and me, who fearlessly, and y'all, we talk about being bold, who boldly said yes, boldly said yes to God, and who joyously announced the arrival of God's kingdom on earth, queendom, reign of God, kingdom, whatever you call that thing that is the big thing, God's vision for this world. She joyously announced it. We didn't read it in our scripture um, reading today, but just after this, starting with, um, well, I invite you to read starting with uh, Luke 1, verse 39 and on, this beautiful, it's one of the most beautiful passages in all scripture. It's called the Magnificat. It's Mary's song, and it is this vision of a world without end, a vision of um, God's reign. So if you don't have a Bible, if you need a new Bible, I invite you to take one off of our shelves. And, and uh, I mean, what else do you want to do this afternoon but curl up by your um, radiator heater or your electric fireplace and read from Scripture? This really beautiful thing. Okay? Yes? yes. Okay. So beautiful. So what do we know about Mary? Well, not much. She was a teenager. She was engaged to this guy named Joseph, and she was a virgin. Now, I do want to talk about the virginity piece uh, because it is important, but it's not important probably for the reasons that you think it's important. It's not important because we need the mother of God to be pure. It's not about purity culture that I'm talking about, this virginity piece. But I think a lot of times in, in some church traditions, that's what it's turned into, right? Mary's this pure thing. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I think it actually makes it more interesting if she's a more interesting human person, right? If she's more three-dimensional. But the reason that Mary's virginity is important is because of what it says about God. It's not what it has to do with Mary. It's about what it says about God. And if Mary is a virgin then what we know about God is that God can do impossible things. God can do things that defy the metaphysical and biological world because God is the creator of the metaphysical and biological world. And what better way to show the greatness of God than to do something miraculous like impregnate a woman with the Holy Spirit with her consent, I'll say, God's not a rapist, with her consent and without intercourse. What better way to show God's greatness that God can do extraordinary things with ordinary people? You see why it's important? Not about purity, but about God's extraordinary capacity and majesty. So here's Mary, an ordinary girl, living in a completely ordinary town, a town that actually was probably really unremarkable politically and socially, that was just a little blip in the world that nobody really cared about. It wasn't Rome, after all, where all the action was, where the titans were. And I imagine that Mary must have been attracted to the prayers and stories of her people. 
She was someone that would have known about Hannah and her barrenness in the, in the story where God said, you're going to have a kid. You thought it was impossible, and it's not. She would have known the story of Sarah and Abraham, where Sarah laughed at God and said, you're crazy, I'm too old. And yet a child was born. And so I imagine that she must have wondered, how does my story fit into the divine story, the stories that I know, the stories of my faith? And, and, I, and I hope and I think and I pray that all of us have that question. How does my story how does my life, we call this purpose, we call this vocation, we call this calling, how does my life fold into this divine narrative, this story of God? What is my purpose? How do I fit? So here's Mary, this ordinary girl, sitting there and one day, about six months after Gabriel, whom we met last week in scripture, remember Gabriel, Zechariah, Elizabeth, about six months after that, Gabriel appears to Mary and says, good morning, you're so beautiful with God's beauty. You're beautiful inside and out. May God be with you. And Mary was probably like, uh, thanks. What do you want? Who are you? <laughs> Apprehensive, probably. And Gabriel assures her and says, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. And Gabriel proceeds to tell her that she would become pregnant and that she would name the child Jesus and that Jesus is going to be great, that he'll be called Son of the Highest that he will inherit the throne of David, that his reign will have no end. And then Mary does, again, what I think probably every person would do, and asks, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And uh, see, she knew these stories of faith, right? She knew these stories of faith. And yet she came to this reality and she thought, I know that that's happened in the past, but can this real, how can this be with me in the future? Can this really be? And uh, Gabriel, he tries a different technique. So if you remember last week, Zechariah also questioned and he was like, ah, how can this be? And what did Gabriel do? For questioning me, you are now mute. So uh, I don't know, maybe he had six months, he softened a little bit, I don't know. But instead of making Mary mute, or maybe because he knew Mary was going to go on to sing one of the most beautiful songs ever and she couldn't be mute for it. He says, Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you will know that this has happened because your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, has also conceived. She's six months pregnant, and don't you see that nothing 
is impossible without God. He reminds her of the words of Sarah and Hannah, nothing is impossible without God. And Mary becomes convinced. She remembers the stories of her faith. She feels emboldened by what God has given her as a possibility. And she says the the words made famous by the Beatles, let it be. Let it be all now. I am ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Now, I don't think actually Mary woke up that day expecting to be Theotokos, right? I don't think Mary woke up and and was like, I feel good today. I think I'd like to bear the Son of God. But I do think that she lived in such a way, she cultivated her faith in such a way that she could see this vision, that she could be captivated by this vision, and it allowed her to be able to easily say yes to probably the biggest mission of her life. I think this yes that she said, she had been preparing her whole life having heard the stories of God, having wondered how she fit into the divine narrative, she had been preparing her whole life to say yes. And I wonder about you. I wonder about all of us gathered here today. What are we preparing to say yes to? What divine mystery is indwelling in us that only we can say yes to? That if we don't join in this new creation that God is giving us through the birth of Jesus Christ, it will not happen. What are we being invited to say yes to? Because everywhere I look, we are called to join in that narrative, that new creation, that divine yes that began 2,000 years ago and is continuing to this day. We all get to join in it, to participate and wake up to the whisper in our ears. The problem is, it's so distracting, this world, that we don't even always see it, or hear it, or know it. What is the call? What is the thing that only you can do? I know it's probably not about being a titan or someone that's part of the Roman Empire. What is your call? I want to read you just a little bit of Mary's song, that Magnificat, but I still want you to go home and read the whole thing, okay? Because I'm reading you just a little bit of it. See, I think in this time of Advent, we are preparing and opening our hearts and minds to hear that divine call, to hear the the call to participate in something bigger than ourselves. Listen to part of this Magnifica. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lonely. Yahweh has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped the servant Israel in remembrance of the Lord's mercy. According to the promise Yahweh made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. 
that line, his descendants forever, that means that you're part of this story and that your children are part of this story and that your children's children are part of this story and that each of us has a call, a whisper that we get to say yes to. It means that that internal tug that we feel to feed the hungry, to lift up the lowly, that's God's call. That's God's invitation to be part of the new creation. Sometimes that call, though, is so quiet, we cannot hear it to even be able to say yes to it. So I want to play a video clip from somebody that maybe you've heard of. Her name is Shonda Rhimes. Oh, one person's heard of it, of her. I know you've all heard of her. Shonda Rhimes is a brilliant creator and producer of four television shows. Um, She recently shared on the TED stage about pausing to listen and the power of saying yes. She lives and works in this uh, world of great activity and chaos. It is a world that she calls the hum When things are moving along in this controlled, chaotic space of creativity and production of her TV shows, of the empire that she is building, she is the titan. She likes that word a lot, by the way, titan. She is the titan that that lives in this hum. She is ferocious in this hum. Um, And she acknowledges that she can also lose herself in this hum. This world that I would say, and I think she would say, is not of God, is of entertainment. and Not, not that entertainment can't be of God, but that is like bigger than, than um, is something contrary to the, the quiet whisper of God. And so this point in the talk where we're going to pick up, um, she describes a time when she has lost the hum. Nothing has changed for her. She is still this creating all of these TV shows and going all, you know, doing stuff all across the world, but she doesn't feel the hum. And it's about this time that she decided to say yes to the things that are hard to say yes to, which includes playing with her kids. And so I want you to listen as she describes a time when her two-year-old, um, whom she, her two-year-old calls everyone honey, like a southern waitress, Um, Her two-year-old invites her to play. So play it through uh, 1240. Did you hear that? The hum is joy-specific and love-specific and peace. Boy, it's almost like she was lighting the Advent candles. The hum is not work. It is joy and love and peace and hope. In this time of Advent, what do you need to let go of or what do you need to turn down so that you can hear that still, small voice from God? Honey, want to play? Our scripture passage today shows that God invites just ordinary people ordinary people like you and me into this new way of living and playing. 
that like Mary, we have to be open to it though. We have to turn down the volume on the other things of our life so that we can hear the whisper of love into our ear to claim our life. Saying yes to God means that you maybe say no to other things. It means you might be late for a meeting. It means your paycheck might not be as high as you thought it was going to be. It means that your work life might not, might not be as badass as you dreamed it would be, to use her words. But when you sit in expectation, you can hear God's whisper of love in your ear. And then like Mary, like ordinary Mary, there's nothing that you will be able to say but yes. 